Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 33, Independence. In this episode, we follow along the book History of Estonia, published in 1997, as it delves into the process of Estonia gaining independence. The February Revolution The massive unrest which broke out in Petrograd in February 1917 grew into a revolution that resulted in Nicholas II giving up the throne and power, passing into the hands of the provisional government. In the spring of 1917, Russia made an attempt at democratic reforms. Vague rumors about what had taken place arrived in Estonia by the start of March. The focal point of events became Tallinn, where a large number of Russian workers lived and a garrison was situated. Unlike the 1905 revolution, the February revolution was dominated by the Russian language and Russian thoughts. By the 2nd of March, sporadic strikes in the factories of Tallinn had developed into a general strike. About 20,000 people gathered at a meeting at the New Market after which they joined the crews of warships stationed in the port of Tallinn. Carrying red flags and singing revolutionary songs, they marched to liberate political prisoners. At the Pax Margareta Tower, then used as a prison, the first casualties of the revolution occurred. The head of the prison and some guards were killed. The gates of the prison were opened. Prisoners, criminals, as well as political were released, and the tower was set ablaze. After this event, other prisons in Tallinn were also ransacked. Police stations and courts were also attacked. Their doors were broken down, windows were smashed, furniture and documents were thrown into the street and stacked to form bonfires. The number of casualties grew during the day, and the soldiers of the garrison joined the sailors and workers after killing their much-despised officers. It was a restless night in Tallinn. There were several fires. The sound of shooting could be heard. Gangs of soldiers made noise in the streets, and the newly released criminals returned to their accustomed ways. During the period of revolution, Soviets, which were councils of workers and soldiers' deputies, sprang up dominated by left-wing elements and considering themselves self-styled revolutionary parliaments. The Soviets continued after the appointment of the gubernia commissars, but initially were not in opposition to the representatives of the government. The general mood appeared to have calmed. The Estonian journalist movement tried to find a suitable moment to introduce the reforms they saw as necessary. As the political climate was not yet ripe for claiming independence, they took as their aim the achievement of autonomy within the Russian state. The project was outlined at a meeting of nationalist organizations in Tartu and presented to the provisional government for approval. In Petrograd, the process became bogged down. The official pretext was that the question was of such great importance that it should be deferred until the assembly of the All-Russian Congress of Soviets. 
In order to push the process forward, Estonians used high-level personal contacts, as well as demonstrations of Estonians in Petrograd on the 26th of March. Some 40,000 people took part in the demonstrations, including 12,000 fully armed soldiers. The columns carried red revolutionary flags, but also blue, black, and white national flags. The demonstrators' representatives demanded immediate passing of a law of autonomy. At the end of March, the provisional government issued a decree on the interim structure of government of the Estonian gubernia. According to this, the Estonian gubernia, excluding Narva, and the northern part of the Livonian gubernia, excluding the Seto region, were united to form one new gubernia. This was to be governed by the commissar of the provisional government and his two deputies. To support them, a provisional council, or Maapav, was to be elected. After the achievement of autonomy, the first task for the nationalist was to take over power. In both the gubernia governments and their institutions, Russians were replaced by Estonians, and Estonian became the official language. Preparations were made for conversion to the Estonian language in education. This became the first source of conflict. The Russian officials, who had been dismissed, filed numerous complaints to the provisional government about the separatism shown by the Estonians, and demanded restoration of the previous order. These new problems created tension between Petrograd and Tallinn. The second task for the new gubernia government was to normalize the overall situation as quickly as possible. This meant taking power into the hands of the government officials and limiting the influence of the Soviets. In response, the Soviets tried to undermine the trust of both the provisional government and the local people in the gubernia government and the Estonian officials. Tension was increased by Jan Poska calling elections to the Mapev, which the Soviets claimed to be premature. The left-wing majority in the Soviets was afraid that without pre-election propaganda, they would be unable to achieve majority in the Mapev. The opposition became so strong that Poska was forced to leave Tallinn temporarily. The election still took place in the attended date on May 1917. The third source of tension arose from the Russian soldiers. The morale of the Russian army was in continuous decline, and the idea of creating national army units arose. Using the fact that two defense regiments were in the process of formation in Tallinn, the nationalists managed to get permission from the provisional government to recruit Estonians to form these units. The reaction of the Russian soldiers was stormy. Convinced that the Estonians wanted to send them to the front while remaining in the rear themselves. Still supported by the Russian provisional government, the Estonians managed to form the 1st Estonian Regiment in Rockferry. This developed into a unit with nationalist ideals and a very strong sense of discipline, which supported the Estonian politicians in furthering their ambitions. 
Gradually, the number of national army units increased. Opposition to the Estonian nationalists was led by Estonian Bolsheviks, who considered the Russian Revolution only a part of the World Revolution and thought that nationalist activities undermined revolutionary forces. During the year of 1917, different political parties developed in Estonia. The Estonian National Progressive Party, founded in 1905 and led by Jan Tunison, transformed itself into the Estonian Democratic Party, which was backed by wealthy southern Estonian farmers, members of the urban bourgeoisie and the intelligentsia. There was also the Estonian Rural People's Union, brought together Estonian peasants, while the Estonian Labour Party united the urban middle class and officials with slightly left-wing viewpoint. In addition to these, several socialist parties were active. The Menshevik wing of the RSDWP split from the main party to form the Estonian Social Democratic Union, and the All-Russian Socialist Revolutionary Party spawned the Estonian Socialist Revolutionary Party. The Bolshevik members of the RSDWP continued to be active. In the summer of 1917, they achieved outstanding success. By August, the organization, which in March had only 150 members, had become the largest Estonian political party with a membership of 7,000. At the beginning of July, the MAPAV assembled for the first time and became the first Estonian national parliament. The MAPAV elected a government led by Jan Ramot, later replaced by Konstantin Patz. So, all the results possible under the framework of autonomy had been achieved. Two options existed. To be satisfied with these achievements, or to find ways of making further progress. At the National Congress in Tallinn, the leaders of the Estonian Labour Party, Yuri Vilms, set a new goal, to achieve statehood within the Russian Federation of Equal States. The provisional government was unable to stop the collapse of governmental power and the Russian army. This was made worse by Bolshevik propaganda. Germany took advantage of this situation and forced Russia to conclude a separate peace treaty. In August, the German army occupied Riga, and the Russian units that had lost the ability to fight retreated to Estonia. At the end of September, the war arrived in Estonian territory. The Germans landed on the island of Sodoma, and by 8th of October, they had invaded all of the western Estonian islands without resistance from the Russian army. In the fight for Muhu Island, the 1st Estonian Regiment suffered extensive losses, with many taken as prisoners. Russia's military failure was accompanied by a sharp increase in the popularity of the Bolsheviks. The soldiers based in Estonia easily accepted the slogan, Down with War. The same slogan was supported by the workers, especially after the provisional government started to evacuate their industrial enterprises from Estonia in the fear of German invasion. This evacuation 
would have meant job losses for thousands of workers. And the only option to preserve their source of income appeared to be a rapid end to the war. At the same time, the Bolsheviks applied pressure to other socialist parties, claiming that their leaders were not interested in achieving peace. In the complex circumstances, this statement found believers, and many moderate socialists joined the Bolshevik cause. By October, there were 20,000 Bolsheviks in Estonia. They gained the leadership of the Estonian Soviet Executive Committee, which was formed to coordinate the activities of the socialist committees. They began preparations for the armed seizure of power, organizing units of the Red Guard and hoping to make use of demoralized Russian army. The German military success made the question of Estonian independence topical once again. At the meeting of the MAPAV on 25 August, Jan Tunison stated that, as the threat of German occupation had become almost a reality and there was no hope of help from the Russians, then it was time to take their question of Estonia into the world political arena. The meeting decided to send a large delegation to Western Europe to raise the Estonian problem with politicians and discover their attitudes towards the future of Estonia. A month later, the MAPAV decided to call elections to the Estonian Constituent Assembly, which would define the future status of the Estonian nation. Independence and the October Revolution in Estonia. In order to take power, the Bolsheviks formed the Estonian Revolutionary War Committee, or the SRK, in October 1917, headed by Ivan Robchinsky and Viktor Kingisip. On the evening of the 23rd of October, the SRK sent its commissars to the military units, railway stations, and public offices in Tallinn. Groups of Red Guards began to patrol the streets. After receiving news of the successful revolution in Petrograd on the 26th of October, the SRK began the real seizure of state power. Meetings and demonstrations were organized in support of the Bolsheviks. On the same day, local SRKs seized power in Tartu and Narva. On the 27th of October, SRK deputies appeared in Tampea and issued a document announcing the transfer of power from the Gubernia Commissar of Jan Poska to Vice Chairman of the SRK, Viktor Kingisep. Formally, the highest legislative institution in the gubernia was the SRK. But all important decrees and orders came from Petrograd. Executive power was exercised by the Estonian Soviet Executive Committee, headed by Jan Anvelt. In counties, towns, and parishes, Soviets of workers' deputies were elected with which took power from the institutions of local government. The elections were not democratic. Only proletarians, which were workers and industrial enterprises and estates, craftsmen, teachers, and landless peasants were allowed to vote. 
more well-off citizens were obliged to remain passive observers. Although the Bolsheviks cooperated with left-wing socialist revolutionaries until January 1918, the new regime was into a dictatorship from the very beginning. When it appeared that the Bolsheviks would not achieve an absolute majority in the election for the Estonian Constituent Assembly in January 1918, the elections were canceled. Civil rights were immediately limited. Political meetings were forbidden, several newspapers were closed down, and many leading nationalists were arrested. Citizens' freedom of religion was not respected. The nationalized churches were turned into cultural centers, and religious education in schools was abolished. Economic reforms were started by the nationalization of banks, followed by industrial enterprises big businesses, hotels, and restaurants. Preparations were made for taking over private residence. Land was declared to be state ownership, and estates were confiscated, but the land was not divided between the peasants. Rural estates were turned into large agricultural cooperatives, the leadership of which passed into the hands of committees of their former tenant laborers. The national army units were becoming a problem for the Bolsheviks, as they represented a considerable military force that could not easily be disbanded. After the October Revolution, the Estonian regiments were combined into the Estonian division, commanded by Johann Leidener. It was not until January 1918 that the replacement of national units with Estonian Red Guards began. The Bolsheviks' policies, which were accompanied by repression of political opponents, created unrest among the people, and the range and number of their supporters began to decline. During the first weeks of Bolshevik power, the Mapav, Ma Valitsus, and local government institutions continued to operate. In November, the Estonian Soviet Executive Committee decided to dissolve the Mapev, but the deputies did not follow these orders. At the meeting of the Mapev in the middle of November, it was declared that the future state order of Estonia would be defined by the Estonian Constituent Assembly, and as long as this had not been convened, the only holder of supreme power in Estonia was the Mapev. Therefore, only decrees of the Mapev had legislative power in Estonia. The decision effectively broke off the former connections with the Russian state. On the same day, the Bolsheviks used force to dissolve the Mapev, but the deputies continued to meet illegally. At meetings held around the end of 1917, they reached the unanimous decision that as soon as Germany really occupied Estonia, Estonia had to be declared independent, and recognition had to be asked from Western countries. In January 1918, the first real steps were taken in this direction. Contact was established with Russian political parties and with Petrograd embassies of Great Britain, France, and the USA. 
a foreign delegation was formed to promote Estonian aspirations in Western Europe. After the Bolshevik Revolution, the Baltic Germans became active. The Estonian nobility decided to split from Russia and to ask for assistance from the German Kaiser. The Bolsheviks gained information about the secret plans of the Baltic Germans and declared a state of siege in Estonia. All members of the nobility were declared outlaws, and a campaign to arrest and deport them began. The clergy and prominent nationalists were also arrested. At the same time, peace negotiations in Brest between Soviet Russia and Germany and its allies broke off, and Germany started preparations for an offensive on the Eastern Front. A suitable pretext for this was found in the deportation of Baltic Germans from Estonia. On the 18th of February, the Germans landed on the Estonian mainland near Lihula on the 20th of February from Sarama, and a day later at Hopsalu from Hiuma Island. The units that began the offensive from Latvia marched into Volga on 22nd February. A swift invasion followed. The Russian army had ceased to exist, and the Red Army, which was in the process of formation, was too weak to oppose the German forces. The nationalist circles were aware of Germany's intentions and understood the need to act quickly. On the 19th of February, the Committee of National Salvation was formed with extraordinary powers, which comprised Konstantin Konik, Konstantin Petz, and Yuri Vilms. A manifesto of independence was compiled in which for the first time Estonia was named as an independent democratic republic. The national military units received an order to maintain neutrality towards German forces. On a local level, power was seized before the arrival of the Germans by national units, as well as by secretly convened voluntary military groups known as Omakaitse, or self-defense. The nationalists gained power in Hapsalu, Pernu, Viliandi, Voru, Tartu, Paide, and other towns. On the evening of the 23rd of February, the Manifesto of Independence was read in public for the first time, from the balcony of the Enla Theater in Pernu. In Tallinn, the Bolsheviks boarded Russian warships anchored in the harbor on the evening of 23rd February. The maintenance of order in Tallinn passed into the hands of the Omikaitse. On 24 February, the members of the Committee of National Salvation drove to Tallinn and based themselves at the building that later became the Estonian National Bank. There they formed the Provisional Government of the Estonian Republic, with Konstantin Petz as Prime Minister. The Manifesto of Independence was proclaimed once again. The Independent Estonian Republic was born. The next morning was festive in Tallinn. Houses were adorned with national flags, church bells rang, and there were services in churches and celebratory meetings in schools. The last Russian warship left the port, but by the middle of the day, 
German units had already marched into the town. However, the events of 24 February still allowed Estonia to be considered as an independent state, though occupied by foreign forces. The intervention of the German army continued until the 3rd of March, and by then they had occupied the whole territory of Estonia, including Narva and Ivangorod. On the same day, the peace treaty of Brest was signed, and Soviet Russia gave up a large portion of the previous western territories of Russia. Formally, Estonia and Livonia remained under Russian power, but German military units were to be based there. Power in Estonia passed to the German military command. Baltic Germans replaced Estonian mayors and county commissars. Estonian independence and the provisional government were not recognized. The activity of nationalist parties, as well as the organizations of political meetings and demonstrations, was forbidden, and the press were censored. The national military units and the Omikaitse were disbanded. Several politicians were arrested and sent to prison camps, including Prime Minister Konstantin Patz. During the first days of occupation, more than 200 people were executed, the majority being Bolsheviks and members of the Red Guard, but with nationalists among them. In Helsinki, the Deputy Prime Minister Yuri Vilms and his companions were shot. The activities of the occupying powers were characterized with the words Kellen Kassen Pon Yalassen, I forbid, order, hang, and shoot. The economic policy started to serve the needs of Germany. Everything possible was taken from Estonia. The majority of industrial enterprises stopped work. Unemployment grew, living standards fell, and prices went up. Townspeople were supplied with ration cards, but the amounts they received were not sufficient on which to survive. The main aim of the cultural policy was to Germanize the local people. German became the official language, and education began to be converted to the German language. The historical contribution of Germans to the cultural of the Baltic nations was emphasized. The autocratic action of the Germans caused opposition among Estonians. The provisional government, which had been removed from power, called for passive resistance to the occupiers, and the Omikaitse resumed activities illegally. The work of the foreign delegation proved successful. Estonian conditions and the automatic regime of the occupying powers were brought to the attention of Western Europe and the de facto recognition of the Estonian Republic was achieved from the governments of Great Britain and France. At the same time, the Baltic Germans were trying to establish a formally independent Baltic duchy, which would be tightly connected with Germany. In Estonia and Latvia, elections were held for a national council, the main task of which would have been to ask assistance from the German Kaiser and establishing a duchy in the Landesrat. 23 delegates represented Estonians and Latvians, and 34 delegates represented Germans. Due to this proportion of power, 
the Baltic Germans managed to carry out their will at the meeting of the Landesrat in Riga. In April, despite protests by Estonian delegates, the process of establishing a duchy became stuck because of ambitions of the Baltic Germans did not find wide support in Germany. The Brest Peace Treaty became another obstacle. According to this agreement, Estonia and Livonia belonged to Russia. It was not until August 1918 in Berlin that the Russians were first forced to give up their rights to the Baltic countries. In September, the Kaiser signed the Act of Recognition of Independence of the Baltic countries and at the beginning of November, the Baltic Duchy was officially proclaimed in Riga. But it was already too late. The huge losses Germany suffered in autumn 1918 made continuation of the war impossible. At the beginning of November, a revolution broke out. The Kaiser was dethroned, and a socialist government took power. On 11th November 1918, the Compagnia Armistice was signed, and on 9th and 10th November, German soldiers and sailors based in Tallinn joined the strike. On 11 November, the Estonian Provisional Government was reassembled. The final seizure of power from the Germans took place on the 21st of November. The Estonian Republic, which had been proclaimed nine months previously, was restored. And that is where we will leave our episode for today, with Estonia gaining independence. It shouldn't get too confident. The War of Independence is just getting ready to begin. And we will cover that next episode. So, until next time, Nagamiseni. <laughs>